0: And together, together, Jeff, who's also an expert himself, talk about Scripture in a very unique way. So Jeff will give us the details, and we'll talk about some of the people he's interviewed and planning to interview in the near future, author, speaker, evangelist, and revert to the faith, Jeff Cavins. He joins us at 15 minutes past the hour. Now we are going to give our very own Joni Joan Lewis two segments this morning because she wrote me the most beautiful email all about all things Rome, everything that's happening there, including not only the opening of the Synod today with the Mass, but also including a brief summary of a fantastic conference she attended in Rome with her own Father Murray, of course, from the world over with Raymond, and also Cardinal Burke. She said it was off the charts, encouraging, uplifting, and very insightful as far as the Synod on Synodality. And if we have time We'll have her take a look at the encyclical that was released by the Pope today on this, the Feast of St. Francis, dedicated to the environment. So that is the show for a, let's see, what's today again? Wednesday, October 4th. Tomorrow, Father Mitch Pacwa is going to be joining us again. Cultural Connections, of course, on a Thursday. I'm giving you a heads up because... There is a lot of news. We covered it yesterday with Pia. Today we're going to have Joan on with more happening this morning in Italy and everything that's happening in Rome. But tomorrow, Father Mitch is going to kind of break apart the response of the Pope to the Cardinals and kind of take a look at that and also give us a perspective about how we need to be approaching the Synod on synonality, especially when it comes to everything coming out of the media. Remember what Pia said and the subtitle of her article that Pope Benedict XVI said there are always two synods, one in Rome and one in the media. Keep that in mind. Don't forget that because it's very true. Weather-wise, the National Weather Service says severe weather and heavy rain in the southern plains and then record warmth in the Great Lakes and Northeast. Yeah, today in Michigan, this is a record for us, we're in the mid-80s. Now, usually October is gorgeous in the Midwest, but it's usually a lot cooler like in the mid-70s. But we are going to be at 85, 86 degrees today but then the temperature starts to drop over the weekend. Anyhow, scattered severe thunderstorms to the threat of large hail, severe wind gusts, heavy rain, and scattered flooding are likely across parts of the southern plains. And as we mentioned, some record high temperatures from the Great Lakes to the northeast. Now some areas could be experiencing those warmer temperatures through tomorrow. Again, it's a Wednesday. Happy Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Pray for us. It's almost six minutes past the hour on a Wednesday morning, October 4th. Time to check the news, and it's a busy, busy morning news-wise, so here we go. Paul Francis, as we mentioned, we'll have more on this with Joan Lewis a little bit later, Open the Synod on Synodality's three-week assembly today with a call to remember that the church exists to bring Jesus to the world and should face challenges with a gaze fixed on God rather than political calculations or ideological battles. Catholic News Agency reports the Pope was speaking in St. Peter's Square for the opening Mass today, and he underlined the primary task of the Synod is to refocus our gaze on God to be a church that looks mercifully at humanity. He said, we do not want to make ourselves attractive in the eyes of the world, but to reach out to it with the consolation of the gospel, to bear witness to God's infinite love in a better way and to everyone. The pope presiding over the mass on the feast of Saint Francis of Assisi, celebrated by nearly 500 priests and bishops and cardinals, including 20 of the Catholic Church's newest cardinals. Meanwhile, the pope says that fossil fuel companies are not doing enough to fight climate change. He released a new document encyclical today that calls for greater efforts to attack what he called the climate crisis. The landmark document criticizes oil and gas companies and says a necessary transition toward cleaner energy sources, such as wind and solar energy and the abandonment of fossil fuels, is not progressing at what he thinks is the necessary speed. In other news this morning, a West Texas county has made it illegal for pregnant women to travel on its roads to seek an abortion. And that's winning praise from pro-life groups.
1: Pro-abortion forces have become creative and innovative in their efforts to circumvent pro-life laws. We're encouraged that cities are matching that level of creativity.
0: That's Kim Schwartz with Texas Right to Life who says it will be up to the courts to decide if this is constitutional.
1: We uh, just embrace the uh, creativity of cities and counties trying to be innovative and creative with life-saving laws.
0: She says the law fits with the state's tough new abortion rules, which ban the procedure in the vast majority of cases. Cochrane County sits on the Texas line with New Mexico, which has become a haven for those seeking an abortion. Colorado Supreme Court taking up the case of a religious baker who is refusing to make a cake for a transgender woman. Autumn Scardina says Jack Phillips broke the state's anti-discrimination law when he refused to make a cake for the man identifying as a woman. Colorado law makes it illegal to refuse to provide services to people based on protected characteristics such as race, religion, or sexual orientation. However, Phillips says again, the cakes he creates are a form of free speech and to be forced to make a cake he disagrees with would be a violation of his First Amendment rights. For the first time in U.S. history, as we mentioned earlier, the Speaker of the House, some big news, has been removed. The chamber yesterday voting 216 to 210 to boot Kevin McCarthy from his job in a historic vote forced by Florida Congressman Matt Gates. A handful of conservatives unhappy with McCarthy's performance joined the Democrats in voting for the California Republicans' removal. North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry is now acting speaker until a new speaker election is held. And the election, by the way, for that new speaker is set to be held next week on Wednesday. Several Republicans are in the mix to replace outset speaker Kevin McCarthy, and Majority Leader Steve Scalise is one of them.
2: No matter who's going to be the next speaker, the challenge is still remained, but I think the opportunity is there to continue moving forward. We set a precedent last week for how to start coming together to get appropriations bills done.
0: Members leaving the House GOP conference meeting said a candidate forum for a speaker will be held next Tuesday with the election again for Wednesday. The House of Representatives will be in recess until next week. Kevin McCarthy says he will not run again following the chamber's decision to vote him out of his position in a historic vote forced by, once again as we mentioned earlier, Congressman Matt Gates. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, as Mark Mayfield tells us, is calling on House Republicans to expel Congressman Gates.
1: In an op-ed for The Washington Post on Tuesday, Gingrich called Gates anti-Republican and claimed he was engaging in childish behavior and has become actively destructive to the conservative movement. Gingrich said Gates should be expelled from the House Republican conference for his motion to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. McCarthy was voted out of office Tuesday after Gates put forward a motion to vacate the chair.
0: President Biden's son pleading not guilty to federal gun charges in Delaware. Hunter Biden facing three felony firearms charges, including unlawfully possessing a gun as an illegal drug user. The charges that come after a prior plea deal that allowed Hunter Biden to enter a diversion program fell apart following scrutiny from a federal judge. His court appearance lasted about 40 minutes. His attorneys have called the charges illegitimate. A stopgap bill is giving Congress more time to work out the kinks in a final spending plan to keep the government running. The biggest hurdle will be finding border security ideas that a majority will approve.
3: Raising the credible fear standard, surging immigration judges to the border, and getting cases heard immediately.
0: That's Congressman Tony Gonzalez, a Texas border Republican, says those three ideas have been floating around Capitol for a long time and have the best shot at passing now. He expects there to be plenty of debate, though, between now and November 17th. Officials searched 18 hours before issuing an Amber Alert for a 9-year-old girl who was abducted by a stranger in New York City. So, as Karen Curtis tells us, when should an Amber Alert be issued? Miami Police Chief Manny Morales says his policy on Amber Alert is more aggressive.
4: If you believe right from the onset that there's some affairs activity or the child is in imminent danger, you put it out, right? I'd rather put it out and err on the side of caution.
3: That's our policy down here.
0: Charlotte Cena was eventually rescued by a SWAT team Monday night after police say the alleged kidnapper, Craig Ross, left his fingerprints on a ransom note he allegedly left in the family's mailbox. A national emergency alert test will blare out across the U.S. this week. According to FEMA, every TV, radio, and cell phone will be interrupted with an emergency message at 2.20 p.m. Eastern time today. The test is set to last about a minute. Officials say the alert is similar to that of an amber alert, a warnings issued by the National Weather Service. The alert is being issued because federal emergency management coordinators need to make sure the system is still an effective way to warn Americans about emergencies low visibility and hazy skies being seen all the way down in florida as a result of smoke from canadian wildfires There's
3: an area of high pressure that is set up over the eastern part of the united states and that high pressure has allowed some of the smoke from those wildfires in canada to be transported southward across the atlantic ocean down towards us here in florida
0: National Weather Service meteorologist Robert Garcia is saying the smoke has limited visibility to under two miles for drivers as far north as central Florida. And the problem, he said, could linger through today or longer. Anyone with upper respiratory sensitivities, they say, should limit their outdoor exposure. MGM Resorts International and Caesars Entertainment now facing... A combined nine federal lawsuits following last month's cyber attack, the attack bringing down many of the operations at MGM's hotels and casinos, and thousands of customers say they had their personal information actually exposed. Caesar says a hacker managed to get a copy of the Caesars Rewards Loyalty Program database, and the company was sued by a longtime Caesars Rewards member last week. The man claims the company was negligent in protecting its customers' personal information information. That's the news today at about 13 minutes past the hour as we go into the break. So excited about having an old friend, old in terms of how long we've known each other. Not that he's old, of course not. Jeff Cavins, you know him well from his start on EW Chen and Life on the Rock. He has a new program all about the Bible and his program, The Bible Timeline. It's actually a YouTube program. His website is jeffcavins.com and no doubt there's probably a link there as well. But excited to talk to him about the Bible Timeline Show. He will tell us all about it. At the bottom of the hour, our very own Joan Lewis. We are giving her two segments today because time always flies. Speaking of a timeline when Joan's with us, and especially on the opening of the Synod on Synodality, which began in Rome today with a major Mass at St. Peter's. Joan also attended a very important conference with Cardinal Burke and her own Father Murray, of course, from Raymond's program, The World Over. And she will fill us in on how inspiring that conference was and what they're saying about the Synod on Synodality. All of that on a Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Don't forget this program is co-produced to EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net are the websites of our two co-producers, always filled with great information and also archives if you want to go back and listen to one of the segments. We'll be right back on a Wednesday. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. Stay tuned.
5: The Wisdom of Mother
6: Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died, and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said it's inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell? <laughs> and somebody's saying to you, what are you here for?
4: EWTN. <laughs> Live Truth. Live Catholic. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
7: This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com.
4: Hi,
3: I'm Jeff Cavins. Join me on the Bible Timeline Show as we travel through the Bible with some of the most insightful Catholic commentators of our time. Together, we'll walk through the story of salvation history and answer your most pressing questions about the Bible. Follow along with the Bible Timeline Chart, an amazing color-coded Bible study tool that shows how all of the books of the Bible fit together to tell the story of salvation history. Get your free copy of the chart at ascensionpress.com forward slash
2: chart.
0: Oh, there you go. Jeff Cavens is our guest this morning, and his website is Jeffcavens.com. This morning, we're going to be discussing, as you just heard in that 30-second trailer, the Bible Timeline Show on YouTube. Hey there, my friend. How are you? Hello, Jeff.
3: Yes, I'm here. There that you are.
0: Okay. Was, That's okay.
3: I was just taken with your, your, your voice there.
0: Always a charmer, I was always great to hear you, all right, so tell us about the program. This sounds like a lot of fun
3: it is yeah what we what we decided to do is take another step forward and you know many people are familiar with a uh, great adventure where we go through the Bible in twelve twelve color coded periods and so what we thought we'd do is take that that uh you know that structure and go through the Bible and interview some of our top scholars in the country, like your own Dr. Mary Healy there, wow. and go into detail about uh, themes that matter to people, about family and forgiveness. And and so we're going through the whole Bible and really focusing on practical issues in each period and listening to some of the great teachers in our country.
0: So you can subscribe to it on YouTube or through your website. How does that work, Jeff?
3: Yeah, you can go to uh, Bible in a Year website at Ascension. And, uh, they have a YouTube channel, Bible in the Year YouTube channel, and, uh, also a website with Ascension. And, and this is coming along that our first guest was Father Mike Schmitz. And, and so, uh, he introduced it with me and kind of got the ball rolling. But yeah, you can go to Ascension, Ascension Press, and they have that uh, website there and people can listen at their leisure.
0: So, already some pretty big names. You mentioned Dr. Uh, Father Michael Schmitz, Dr. Mary Healy, who's amazing. She's a great speaker and teacher, and it's based in the Archdiocese of Detroit at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. Who else can we look forward to hearing from on your new show?
3: Sure. Well, we have uh, Monsignor Shea, who is at the University of Mary in Bismarck. We have uh, John Bergsma, uh, Bob Rice, Dr. Bob Rice, both of them from Steubenville, uh, Dr. Mary Healy. We have Sister Elisa, Alicia Torres. Who, who talks uh, about just the beauty and the simplicity of, of following following Jesus, uh, and she does such a such a fantastic job. So those are a few of the of the teachers that we have, and we're in our first season now with 12 shows, and working on the second season, which will be next year.
0: Wow, that's exciting. We're talking with Jeff Cavins about his new show on YouTube, the Bible Timeline Show. So, Jeff, this is something I know you're you're so knowledgeable of Scripture and and the Great Adventure Bible Series and everything that you do with Father uh, Michael Schmitz and the way it's exploded, the Bible in a year and the Catechism in a year. You've been very involved in that as well. From the time that you came back to the church, you've seen, I would imagine, in addition to your great work with Scripture Study, an explosion of Catholics, would you say, interested in learning more about our faith from a biblical perspective? Would you agree with that?
3: I totally would. Uh, Theresa, that that there's almost a renaissance or an, an event, you know, an explosion of of interest in in Bible studies. You know, back when you and I were working together in radio years ago, there there was really an emphasis, I think, uh, on apologetics—that's you know, sharing the faith, defending the faith, and so forth—and we we started moving into a real interest in Scripture and showing the laity that. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to study Scripture. As Vatican II said, that in Scripture, our Heavenly Father comes down and talks to His children. And uh, that's what people are discovering. And I think that the complexity of life, and you wrote a book called Noise, that the noise in the world is drowning people, and they're looking for truth. They're looking for a foundation to base their life on. And there is no greater foundation than Jesus Christ, who is the foundation, the cornerstone, and and His Word is truth, and the truth will set you free. So, I think that I think that we're living in the uh, the fruitful times of John Paul II and Pope Benedict, and, and we're we're seeing a lot of uh, what they taught and the foundation that they laid down. We're seeing the fruits of that now. I think.
0: I would agree. Now, when did you first discover your love of Scripture? Was it on your while you were a Protestant pastor, or did it grow even more after that, obviously, because you were including the Catholic perspective? So when do you think you you fell in love? I mean, you you had a personal relationship with Jesus for so many years, but when really did Scripture start speaking to you, do you think?
3: Yeah, well, the Scripture started speaking to to me immediately. I was 18 years old. And um, my wife now, Emily, she's the one that introduced me to Scripture along with her mother. And I would say that at the, at the very beginning, it was Scripture that grabbed my heart. And when I made that decision that, man, I'm going to go all in with Jesus here at 18 years of age, the first thing I did is I went out and bought a Bible, the very first thing. And I started reading it that day. And I have been reading it since then. It's the only thing in my entire life that so, besides Emily, of course, but so grabbed my heart that I've never veered from it. I've never left it and picked up some hobby that, that you know, eclipsed my love for Scripture. And I have found that, that when, I, when I came into the Catholic Church, Teresa, it was compounded. It, it went from like a three to a ten overnight, because the Church is the context in which we study the Bible, interpret the Bible, and live the Bible. And so once I came back to the Catholic Church, it just exploded in my own heart, and I was able to bring the great adventure into the Catholic uh, arena, uh, uh, you know, so to speak, and and I found that other people, they they wanted it, too, and, and it was making a difference in, in their life. But it it, it made a difference in my life literally right right at the beginning and i've i 'm more excited now about it after forty five years than ever before
0: it's interesting you should say that because uh, deacon Dom, um, as you know my husband he when sure. he entered a bible study it was a non denominational bible study he never left we never left the church, but he went into a men 's Bible study. And he had the same effect. When he started to read scripture, it was like everything exploded in his head and in his heart. And he was able to connect the dots from growing up Catholic and being an altar boy and seeing the church in the Old Testament, you know, in Exodus. And it was such a phenomenal mm-hmm. experience that that led to this full-blown reversion that also led to him discerning the diaconate. So scripture, yeah. I don't think we, we realize enough how important it is in our lives.
3: Oh, you're right. It, it is so important, and it's so important for two reasons. One is that it reveals the heart of our Father, and uh, God reveals Himself in word and deed in a way that we can understand. And the second is it reveals His overarching plan. As the Catechism says in the first paragraph, God has a plan of sheer goodness, and the, the, the goal of that plan is to share His divine life with us. Uh, divinization, that we would become God, you know, in the sense of we're His children, adopted sons and daughters. And those two things, knowing the heart of your Father, knowing His plan, that becomes the foundation on which you can live a good life. You can live the life that really will make you happy, gives purpose to your life, rather than just trying to figure it out ourselves,
0: you know? Amen. Amen. Check out the new Bible Timeline show with our very own Jeff Cavins. A number of ways to get the link, whether it's through Ascension.com or his website, Jeff Great to speak with you, Jeff. God bless you. Keep up the great work. And up next, speaking of great work, Joan Lewis joins us in working hard on covering the Synod on Synodality, which actually opening today in Rome, but lots of news breaking. Father Benedict Groeschel
7: I often go back to my childhood in church. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class.
5: Absolutely no class.
4: EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
5: What is God's first gift to the Church? The Catholic Catechism proclaims God is love, and love is his first gift containing all others. The Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, pours God's love into us. The first effect of love is the forgiveness of sin. The communion of the Holy Spirit in the Church restores the divine likeness that was lost through sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the first fruits of our inheritance, the very life of the Holy Trinity— That fruit is to love, says the Catechism, as God has loved us. The evidence or fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The more we renounce ourselves, the more we live by the Spirit. The mission of Christ and the Holy Spirit is brought to completion in the Church. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
0: Welcome back. It is Wednesday, beautiful feast day in the Catholic Church, the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Pray for us. Let us all be channels of peace, as his prayer says. Joan Lewis filling us in, coming on early because there is, oh my goodness, so much news. And Joni, I love the analogy that you used during the break regarding the Senate, if you want to share it, because I think that's a great description. Good morning. Thanks for joining us.
6: Yes. Oh, delighted to be here with this tsunami of of news events and the biggest, because we've been looking forward to it for two years, is the Synod, which will be officially opening the meeting part of the Synod um, in just about a half an hour. But just in talking to so many people here, even overhearing conversations, uh, the image that I form of this Synod is that the train went off the tracks before it even left the station. So um, this is something, as you and I have been talking about on and off for two years, this synod on synodality, first of all, what does synodality mean, and we don't have an official church, papal definition of synodality that is common to everyone that we can use. In any event, um, so much has come out over the years, Teresa, from the, the Synod of Bishops' Office in Rome itself. The press conferences introducing the Senate two years ago, a little over two years ago, um, people who have been interviewed, who work for, with, and in the Vatican about the Senate, And so many ideas, perceptions, in, in many cases, uh, not always realities, but perceptions of words spoken by Vatican officials have led to different... Uh, perceptions on what is going to take place and possibly come out of the Synod. And I think you have a lot of the media uh, in particular, but not exclusively secular media, pointing out that the bishops, the non-bishops, the laity, the non-Catholics, non-Catholic Christians who will be gathered in Rome, about 450 people starting this afternoon, that they it, it, it sounds as if they're almost exclusively going to focus on hot-button topics, and that is to say on blessing of same-sex unions, uh, just so many different things. On women, can can they be ordained deacons? Can they be ordained priests? Um, On... that there's just so many issues. Um, and, and yet, in recent days, we have the Holy Father saying, now, wait a minute, you know, we are not here to change church, church teaching. But you also have Cardinal Fernandez, the new head of the Dicastery for Doctrine of the Faith, saying it is not our duty at the Synod um, to promote church teaching. Well, I, I mean, that leaves me breathless, you know, it, if it isn't your duty to promote church teaching, what in the Lord's name are we all doing here? Uh, what are the Synod Fathers doing as they are about to sit in their chairs in the Paul VI the Hall? By the way, the Synod, uh, the meeting of all the members of the, the participants in the Synod is not taking place at uh, as it has historically done in the Synod Hall, but rather at a series of round tables Set up in the Paul VI the Hall, the place where probably all of our listeners at one time or another might have been uh, to see the Pope in a general audience. Now, this afternoon, we have yet to see images. They'll be out in a while, but um, I'll have to see if those tables, those tables are set up. All the participants are sitting at those tables because the, the Pope will speak today. He spoke, of course, this morning. There was the Mass to open the Synod. Uh, with all of the new cardinals and the Holy Father did speak, uh, did give a homily then, but he will speak on the Synod this afternoon as will Cardinals Holleric and Grec who have been, uh, leading, promoting, putting together the Synod for, for two years. Uh, so there, are uh, not so much work today as it is the participants listening to what they're, what they're going to hear and I think the difficult thing for those of us who are covering this, whether we're, you know, in Rome, near, or or far away, um, the big question at this point, and it's going to take a few days to find out what the answer is, the big question is, uh, is, for us in the media, what are we going to be allowed to hear, to see? There's going to be some video this afternoon of these opening talks, but what about the participants? When a bishop... When an abbot, when a nun, when a layperson gets up to speak, will we know, will we hear, will we be allowed to read what they have said? Right now, it doesn't look that positive for the media. It looks, so therefore, all of the folks listening to me talk to you today, um, what what can I bring to you? What am I going to be given to bring to you? And uh, we don't know yet, again, we're going to probably see in coming days, exactly how the members, the participants at the Synod, can they just go out and talk to the media? Can I call up um, a great number of the people I know that are participating in the Synod and say, say you know, so what are you doing you know, Thursday night when the Synod ends? Can we Can we meet and can I have some input? I just don't know. We don't know exactly what's going to be allowed. So we do know the Vatican is going to try on, at least they hope, their words, on a daily basis to provide us with a, a type of a, a, a summary given by the head of the Vatican Office of Communications. So, because obviously the Vatican itself will have people inside the Senate, not, not those of us in the media know, and that's, that's pretty much been the case for, for decades. But, <clears throat> In the past, there's been a lot lot more openness to what's happening in a synod. And um, that's because in the past, this has been my experience when I worked at the Vatican, mm-hmm. at the Vatican Information Service, Teresa, when we knew there was going to be a synod in October, we all started making plans to be on a cruise ship for a month because we knew what, uh, uh, what a period of time, of overwork it was going to be for all of us so that mm-hmm. a synod would meet in the morning session 16 cardinals priests whomever would speak we got a one page summary for each of those speakers and then had to summer uh, that they wrote and then had to summarize that and that's what went mm-hmm. out in our daily bulletin so whether you were a layperson or a bishop in some far off country in the world if you had your uh, fax machine or, or laptop or something turned on You could read what everybody said in the morning session. You could read what everybody said in the afternoon session. And that's how we did it. It was a huge amount of work, and we were working with, of course, uh, lots of different languages. And then, after a morning session, there were often speakers, there were often people, many times priests, but not always, who were actually present in the Synod Hall, Listening to the same speeches we would later read, but these people would come out. There would be spokespersons in five or six languages, and all of the journalists who spoke English would meet in one spot and listen to that person give a summary of the morning's events. The same thing for Portuguese, for Spanish, for Italian, for French, etc. So, um, no, and
0: that's not David. happening right now, right? But that was my next question, and we could pick it up at, on the other side of the break, Joni. I appreciate you staying with us for an extra segment. Joan Lewis, live from Rome, Jones, Rome at WordPress.com. Normally, as Joan said, when you have these types of events, you have an information office that gives you, as we say, a rundown or a schedule on how you can get the information so that you can transfer that information to your audience. But it's a different situation these days with the Vatican Press Office. More on the Synod coming up.
1: The best way for the church to respond to this new woke religion is to actually begin to see it as religious. What they're offering is a new sense of believing, a new sense of belonging, and a new sense of behaving. They have new commandments uh, regarding tolerance and inclusivism and multiculturalism and egalitarianism. And what's remarkable about this is that the woke people seem to think that the Christian faith is a barrier. Look, Christianity has always taught that the gospel was a universal message. Christ died for all. All human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And we all have solidarity in the fact that we sin and yet the Church gets no credit for its great cultural achievements. Look, the Church has already welcomed every nation, family, and tribe. We are the first universal people.
8: Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
6: And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph.
2: Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN family prayer. Today we pray for the caregivers of the sick. O Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we adore you. You have first loved us, and through your Son you have taught us the excellence of self-giving love. Give to those who are caregivers of a sick parent or child, brother or sister, the assistance of your holy angels. Lessen their burdens and give them great joy in practicing a work of mercy. And since charity is never forgotten by you, reveal to them their heavenly reward,
0: amen. Continuing our discussion on the Synod on Sinanality, which got underway today officially in Rome. That's where we find our very own Joan Lewis, Jones Rome at WordPress.com, a great blog. Check it out. All right, so I was saying as we were going into the break, and, and you and I being a, a very experienced media people, know that at big events like this, and specifically with the Vatican, because I've covered a number of different Vatican events, certainly not as many as you, but, but I have uh, done my own share. And it has been over the years at least somewhat organized where, as you said, there is a plan. There is a method to the madness when there's something as involved as a synod where at least you have some sort of a schedule and you know to whom to go in order to get the update in whatever language it is. That's not the case now. So as we were saying during the break, you're either left to your own interpretation, what someone is telling you from the synod, one of the people involved, or the, the company line, correct?
6: Exactly, and I have to tell you that Um, Yesterday at this conference that I attended where Father Gerald Murray, a lot of, of course, of our listeners, um, they're familiar with his work at his parish in New York, with books he's written, and also for his being on TV with Robert Royal and Raymond Arroyo on Thursdays, um, the the so-called papal uh, posse. And then, obviously, the brilliant, ever-wonderful, always-truthful Cardinal Raymond Burke spoke at this meeting, as did a professor of philosophy, an Italian professor of philosophy speaking on synodality. And by the way, Cardinal Serrat was present. He was in the front row yesterday listening to all of the words. And Cardinal Burke and Father Jerry were very loudly and at great length applauded for so many of the things that they said. But one thing you could hear in their talks and all throughout the room, um, and from some media colleagues, was the fact that, okay, this this, um, conference was entitled Synodal Babel, as in the Tower of Babel, but they took, they used the word Babel, but they meant it in the sense of confusion. And the sense here is that this is planned confusion in in, uh, in the Vatican for the Synod, and what I, you and I were saying just a, a moment ago, not on there, I said, you know what one thing i don 't think the Vatican has ever understood, or maybe nobody ever even thought to explain this to to the Holy Father, is that for many people, and i don 't think this is just an American thing, perception is reality, yep. and so for two years, some of the things that have been coming out from officials who work in the Senate of Bishops, some of the things that have come out at press conferences have led us, have led a lot of people to believe that XYZ is going to be the outcome of a Synod that is set to begin in about 15 minutes. So um, a planned outcome? Is it planned confusion? What is the, you know, is it willed confusion? What is the sense of this? So... <clears throat> I just want to reassure our, our listeners, uh, I'm a Pollyanna, I am an, an optimist in all capital letters, and I firmly believe that, that there are enough people of good sense, of good will, and of good faith, good church teachings in the Synod, to make sure that church teachings as we have known them to be for two millennia, uh, the orthodox magisterium of the Church, to make sure that that is preserved. But, you know, I look at, and and I'll try and translate some of what he said. I only have Cardinal Burke's remarks in Italian. I can translate them, but, you know, he talked about uh, the fact, he talked about many things at great length, but he talked about the fact of, of what was not, listed as being an integral part of the Synod, and that is, for example, Jesus Christ, the teachings of the Church, the Magisterium, and um, whereas so many other things that are are not related to our faith life seem to be the subjects that will be uh, on the focus. And and again, this is the first day we've got, as I say, 15 minutes till the official opening and other speeches, but... Um, so, so we have to wait, in all fairness, to the uh, to the contributors, to the participants, to what they say um, in that space. And again, we don't know how much of that we are going to hear. But I know that um, Cardinal Burke was very—he wanted to be upbeat. He asked us all to pray, obviously, for all the participants mm-hmm. in the Senate, to pray that they realize exactly why they are there. They are indeed there to promote church teaching, to promote the magisterium.
0: And you know, um, did, did Cardinal Burke, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask, and it just popped sure. into my head again. Did Cardinal Burke talk about the dubia and the response from the Vatican?
6: Oh, he, Oh, yes, he did and um he said that the dubia that he and other uh, four other cardinals officially signed off in the sense of signatures on um, but many other cardinals who didn't sign it are behind what they said he said these dubia were quite simply questions that had to do with the, the perennial doctrine and discipline of the church not with the agenda of a pope or or, or of a synod so it wasn't criticism of the Holy Father an attack on the Holy Father or the person of the Holy Father, but these, we have to know, we have to teach the faithful. So can we teach the faithful? And then there were, you know, five different issues that, uh, that they, uh, that these, uh, Dubia spoke about. But if we have to teach the people, then we have to have, from the person of the Holy Father, in whom there is unity in the Church with all the bishops, um, we have to have a definitive answer. Can this be done? Can that be done? So the five dubia were the interpretation of divine revelation. Can that change with the times? You know, we've got to update uh, what God told us to do because it's 2023. What about the blessing of same-sex unions? A big thing there. What about synodality as a constitutive dimension of the Church? And, uh, Cardinal Burke spoke about this. He said, we know, we pray that the Church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Do we now have to add synodal as a dimension of the Church? And then the fourth area uh, asked about uh, one of the dubia questions was the priestly ordination of women. And the fifth area was, is, is repentance or not, a necessary condition for sacramental absolution. But Teresa, you and I, are we are not theologians, we are not mm-hmm. priests and bishops who have a duty to teach, um, govern, and sanctify, but we know the answers. We know the teaching of the Church on these questions, right. but a mm-hmm. lot of people don't. And all the five cardinals wanted was a yes or no answer, which is actually part of the tradition of using dubia in in the church dubia referring questions so um to get those answers should have been easy but if you went on the vatican website to look at how the holy father answered these or the new head of the doctrine of the faith cardinal fernandez a friend of the pope's from argentina who by the way has um is behind the writing of quite a number of of papal documents but when you go on the website um, it's my word. It's like it's um, confusion in the Babel sense of things, but also um, the word salad used. Some of the questions were answered, and the answer seemed to be both a yes and a no. And a no. I, I, that's true. That's very I mean, true. I, I understand yeah. you're saying or, that. Yeah. I would say mm-hmm. yes, but, yes, however. No, but, or no, however. So even reading those, unless you're a trained theologian and know how to read in between lines or something. So even that was was very, very difficult.
0: And, and now you and have the media picking up on some of those things that were in the dubia, and even before the Senate officially sure. gets underway today, talking about the Church paving the way for, for the blessing of same-sex unions. and they ignored the part where the holy father did affirm marriage and what the church teaches about marriage between a man and a woman that was totally ignored by the media but again this is what happens because perception and the media know this all too well and you just mentioned it perception is reality and people even if we know the truth of the church teaching and that it cannot be changed that they can't come to the senate and say no we're voting for women priests women deacons we're voting to change all this stuff that's not happening at this Senate. it can't happen but the impression of it happening Causes confusions and ca- confusion, and then more problems with the teaching, with us te- trying to teach it, or a, a priest or a deacon trying to teach it.
6: Oh, and, and then also regarding the the dubia, we did have, and Cardinal Burke spoke of this yesterday. Um, we did have input, uh, his input, on a um, on the interview that Ed Edward Penton of the National Catholic Register did with the then. A cardinal designate now he is a cardinal, the new head of the dicastery for doctrine of the faith, and um, he really says that anybody who questions the Holy Father, um, he he, he accuses them of heresy and schism. Those who ask the Holy Father, uh, you know, these questions, and he quoted um, when Cardinal designate Fernandez he told Edward Penton. Pope not only has a duty to guard and preserve the static deposit of faith, but also a second unique charism given only to Peter and his successors, a living and active gift. Well, I want to tell you, faster than you can say gift, uh, Cardinal Burke absolutely uh, said that there is no charism that just the Holy Father has. There is no doctrinal, there is no papal doctrine. There's the doctrine of the entire Church in the unity of the Pope, bishops, and and the lay faithful, but there is no unique charism given only to Peter and his successors. Oh, my gosh, Teresa, it was such a rich, rich meeting yesterday afternoon. Huge applause for both um, Father Murray, who looked at everything. I'm sorry we don't have that much more time, but he is a canon lawyer, and he looked Mm -hmm. at the Synod, and where it's going from the point of view of canon law and actually kind of dismantled some facts saying, in fact, the synod, as defined by the people organizing this one on synodality, is is not according to all what is allowed in canon law. So it's just, um, we've got weeks, we've got the whole month of October to look into this, and I'd be happy to come on, you know. Any single day, if there's a particular issue that comes up, or if we learn what the press can do and not do, we're just, we're just hoping there's no pontifical secrets, uh, right. because that you know that means that the everyone participating will be asked by the Holy Father and or the cardinals who are heading the synod, they will be asked not to talk anyone to anyone. Uh, outside of the outside of the synod hall, so I don't know no. if they would be forbidden from writing or blogging or anything like that. we will we'll have to find out. and I really I just want to give the benefit of the doubt to the goodness in the organizers' hearts that mm-hmm. this will be a successful teaching synod and one in which we, not just me, Joan, the media, but in which we, the Catholic faithful, the public, will be able to find out what's going on. So,
0: well, I think, as you said, you're, 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 I'm just like you. I, I am. Yeah, I'm not Pollyanna, but I am an optimist. And I also, and tomorrow is a feast of of Saint Maria uh, Faustina, right? Quas Faustina. So we have to ask for her intercession and divine right. mercy. I, I just, I just believe in in Jesus and what He gave us in the Church. And He said, "The gates of hell shall not prevail against her." And and you are a rock, <clears> and on this rock yeah. I shall, shall build my Church. And we have to remember that a synod is not a place where they come and vote on this, that, or the other thing and change church teaching. However, it is a perception of what's being put out there by whomever and how it's being put out that can cause a lot of confusion and damage. And that's why we need to keep our sanity, keep our eyes on Jesus, and have good people like you, yeah. Joan. And of course, tomorrow night, I'm sure Raymond will be flushing this out with a Father Murray and others. And we're going to be talking about sure. this tomorrow with Father Mitch Pacwa again. And just to remember to keep your eyes on Christ. I keep saying this through the whole thing. And there's, there's some disagreement on whether from experts, depending on, on whom you talk to, if the dubia should have been set in the first place. We talked about that yesterday with um, Dr. Pia DeSleni. Others are saying it was necessary. The bottom line is that we have to keep our faith and we have to pray and, and hope for the best out of this because it's, it's a big discussion it is not a place where they come together to even consider changing church, church teaching, despite what some in the media exactly. and even some inside the church want us to think. Joan, we're out of time. Thank you so much for the extra segment. We could have done the whole hour with you this morning, but we will take you up on your offer Bye, to Joy. come on uh, even before or after uh, next week and Wednesday because there's so much to talk about. Our very own sure. Joan Lewis, of course. Check out her terrific blog, which is at jonesromeatwordpress.com. And as we mentioned, about 10 seconds ago, we will have the amazing Father Mitch Pacwa on with us tomorrow for our cultural connections on Thursdays, and he will also do the same thing Joan did today. Help us sort through all of this, and remember to always keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, Joni, when can we see an update on your blog on this? Oh, we got a break. I'm sorry. Okay, we're running out of time. I keep talking. Okay, we'll be right
4: People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise
8: opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Can your messy house lead to anxiety? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians states that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. If you walk in the door at home and you are greeted by clutter... Peace may be hard to find. A messy house can lead to cognitive overload. While we're trying to concentrate on one thing, clutter can distract. According to research, women may be more affected by this type of anxiety. Societal roles and expectations can enhance the stress. To be fair, other underlying mental health disorders can lead to more clutter. Depression, hoarding, and OCD, just to name a few. However, clutter can sometimes lead to more creativity. Bottom line, don't let a messy house define you as a good or bad person. Take baby steps to negotiate with those responsible for messes to make change or hire a cleaning person. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on clutter at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
7: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot?
0: appreciate you tuning in to EWTN, Global Catholic Radio. Don't forget, you may find us online at EWTN.com, and our co-producer, AveMariaRadio.net. We'll talk to you on a Thursday with Father Mitch Pacwa and a new program from Ave Maria University. You won't want to miss it. Ciao, ciao. Ado
8: You've been
6: listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production
5: of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Krucek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit
0: AveMariaRadio.net. That's ave Maria Radio.net.
6: Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic
5: Connection.